0: Uh, Hello, everyone. Welcome to the 144th episode of the Socially Distanced Podcast, the flagship podcast of thepopbreak.com. My name is Bill Bodkin. I am the editor in chief of the site. And if you came to this podcast looking for us to talk about the Goofy movie, like I said a million times last week, well, you'd be dead wrong. That is because we are going to, we have hijacked our entire calendar because The Last of Us has become the thing every single person in this country is talking about the premiere episode we did last week was one of our highest debut podcasts for a series ever so we're getting the band back together again this was an Al idea a bill execution these are how things happen on this podcast so of course i am back Bill Bodkin. Uh, we're gonna be talking a lot about Beardy Sons of Bitches tonight. Uh, and I am definitely one of them. Uh also back, Al Manorino, our managing editor. Um, what's going on, pal? How you doing?
1: Good. I am very full from uh, some Greek food uh, that we had. Uh me and the wife went on a date night, which is rare when you have two kids. You know this as well.
0: Uh I did, I, did, I, I do. Yes. Yeah, you do. And
1: uh, uh yeah, I'm having uh having a nice little coffee now. And uh, enjoying the night with you guys.
0: If I am a little less energetic than normal, I slept for one hour last night and nothing like a nervous breakdown, followed by six hours of projectile vomit from your child. What a time to be alive. But you know who's uh, who's joining us as well? It is the human Star Wars encyclopedia, Amanda Rivas. Uh, Amanda, um, do you know how to pair wine with uh, post-apocalyptic food?
2: Not post-apocalyptic food, but I can pair wine with a few dishes, although I did learn something new. So I'm like, okay, I shall have to try with rabbit this time.
0: And joining us is the straw that stirs the drink. She is our favorite and the number one geriatric millennial daddy of our hearts, our souls and our minds, who texted me after this episode and said, dude, our gay dads what the fuck alicia weinberger welcome back
3: hello i've been usurped i'm i don't think this this episode this show's got too many daddies for me to i i'm bottom tier daddy
0: but, got three well, daddies in it well i'm also hold on so first off you are the only geriatric millennial daddy of the dads because it, it doesn't be make sense <laughs>
2: <That's fair.
0: laughs> no it, oh no if you know alicia makes all the sense in the world that's true that's why we're here it's a state of mind and by the way if you were listening last week alicia's theory about flour and bread totally brought into this episode she knows her shit but we already do that um but before we get into the last of us episode three al we got a pregame so take it away pal
1: Yeah, so our pregame for this week, and I like that we're doing this because I miss segments. We don't really do like
0: individual. We have have some weird segments. We
1: have like, we have specific to the show segments, but we used to do different topics. We used to talk about all different things on this show. So
0: some of them. Oh, you know what we should talk about? Fucking Tom Brady retired. How many times have we talked about this on the podcast? (laughs) Alicia's yeah. like, what? What are you? Um, who, who I don't is, know. I'm seeing Amy top- for
3: Brady. So
0: <laughs> <You see any? laughs> oh, first off, if you are actually seeing that, I definitely need to hear your thoughts on it next week. OK, yeah, that's true. OK, so
1: you and my week, mom
0: will see that movie
1: this week where you're talking about the mini comic con that was James Gunn's uh, DC announcement. So uh, is it Peter Se- uh, Seferin? Saffron, Saffron, Safran, Safran, yeah. Peter Saffron and James Guns. They're now the co-CEOs of DC um, and they control the movies, television, uh, animation, gaming part of DC. They are running that for Zaslav or whatever the hell his name is. Um, and James said by the end of the month, we were going to, or the start of the next month, we were going to get uh, a, a little preview of what's to come for the future of the DCU. We got more than that. We got a lot more than that. A lot more than I was expecting. Um, James is super, super active on social. He will literally respond to people saying like, hey, when are we going to get this? And it will be like, I don't know, soon. Like he actually responds. He's not like. Uh, doesn't respond
0: to any of my shit. But that's okay. I know,
1: but he's not like Kevin Feige, who, you know, a lot of things are close to the vest and he'll talk, you know, a couple times a year letting you know what's happening. He's not every, you know, 20 minutes on Twitter saying like, oh, yeah. I'm doing this next. So it was definitely very interesting Interesting to see James on video um, talk about some of the crazy, exciting and WTF projects that are in the works uh, at DC. So um, without having to go and name them all uh, in order, um, what project are you guys most excited for? I'm going to start with Amanda.
2: So first off, I'm excited that we have elsewhere coming out of that too. So we still have the second, the sequel to the Joker coming out. So we get a little bit more of, jo- of Joaquin Phoenix. I'm excited that Batman Two, Matt Reeves, this didn't get canceled. <laughs> I was worried. I think that's coming out in October 2025. I think is what I saw. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's I'm I'm interested to see what's going to fall under that umbrella, since it's almost like a, a, a the way it's coming across to me is like it's a little bit of a maybe like a multiverse type concept. Um, so I'm hoping that we get the Penguin TV show still. I hope that's that's going to fall under that that banner. Um, but really, I'm excited for, um, gosh, there was quite a bit process, but I, I want to say like right off the bat, um, Peacemaker side project, which I want to say I think is Waller. Wild, I yes, say Waller. The, yes, so Peacemaker's great. I enjoy it. And so I feel like Waller is going to be Going to be really interesting. Um, lanterns, as well. Uh, the way that it's being described, I mean, you know, it's kind of the whole, you know, True Detective kind of vibe, and I loved True Detective. Um, so it's an it's an interesting take. Um, so those are the two right now. Of course, Superman. Everyone's intrigued the Superman legacy, but I'm also very cautious, <laughs> just because I'm excited about these projects. But really, I, I'm almost just waiting to see how Superman's going to turn out just to get a feel of the vibe. I mean, James Gunn has done great work, but DC is going to need a, a little bit. It's going to it's going to need some rehabbing. Um, and so I, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic still. But it, this is a good sign with a good roadmap in place.
1: And before we get into Bill, just for a little clarification, um, before we got into the new announcements, um James Gunn discussed the four movies that we're still seeing um, this year coming out. And he also mentioned that some of these stories will live in their own kind of timeline, special universe, whatever you want to call it. But that will be known as DC Elseworlds, just like the comics, which they had the Elseworld tales, um, like example, Batman turning into a vampire. That was an Elseworld story. Mm. Um, so, uh, knowing that, uh, Bill, as, as not like the biggest DC fan,
0: I'm very minute when it comes to DC love, um,
1: were any of these intriguing to you? I know since James Gunn is involved.
0: Yeah. So this is the first time I think DC's announced something where we're like, all right. I'm along for the ride on this one. Uh, Creature Commandos seemed interesting and very, since that was the first one, I'm like, that is very on brand. Let's just, let's just get weird with it. But the one that I think that like has me the most amped is Lanterns because I, I, I always liked Green Lantern. We're going to have uh, Hal Jordan and John Stewart the two lanterns working as a true and like Amanda said in in a true detective style, I'm just like sold, especially since we're now going to get the fourth season of true detective this year with uh, Jodie Foster, um, which is going to be wild. And um, that just seems great because I'm like, okay, we're going to do something like everything just feels different, unique and not reboot origin play the hits. It doesn't feel like anything. I feel like there's gonna be risks risks going to be taken. And I'm very excited for that. Much like I'm sure the one everyone's gonna pick the Damian Wayne uh one is gonna be very interesting as well. I know there was some people that were kind of hot and cold about that. But, uh, you know, for me, you know, you hear a lot. Of, I've heard a lot about the character. So I'm like, all right, this is going to be cool. But number one, we lanterns for me, for sure. But I'm interested. James Gunn hasn't let me down yet. He didn't let me down with Guardians. Didn't let me down with The Suicide Squad. Peacemaker is one of my favorite shows from last year. So I have a lot of faith in what he, who he's picking uh, and who's on board. I think James Bangold is like in talks for Swamp Thing, which is absolutely bonkers. Holy um, crap! That would be great. Yeah, so I'm 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 stoked for what James Gunn's going to bring to the t- potentially is going to bring to the table.
1: And our geriatric uh, millennial Zaddy. Hey. I, 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 threw, hey. I, I, I gave you the Zaddy instead of Daddy. Uh, Alicia, what do you think? Uh, what do you think is going to be you know the best thing out of the the new gunniverse
3: Oh man, I mean for, well first things first, I gotta say it's like it feels like really nice to see like it have the, the DCU kind of have EC DCEU. I don't know, the deuce. Um the deuce it, it has some kind of uh preliminary direction. I very much feel like when the DCEU first started, way back when it was kind of just like, oh cool, we're gonna do Man of Steel. Oh, I guess we'll do a Batman movie. Oh okay, might as well yeah. do Wonder Woman. Um it's really nice to have some kind of direction i mean of course i'm i'm always excited for anything animated so like creature commandos i mean dc has a great track record of anything animated even their most like mediocre animated stuff is still pretty good so
2: yeah.
3: um yeah i mean lanterns is going to be sick um i feel like that's going to have this i don't want to say spider-verse in the sense of like it. it's like the the vibe but more so like it's going to open doors for like, oh, I, I could see this lantern and that lantern, or maybe we get a far sector spinoff, or maybe we get like um, the one lantern whose costume I really like, who has like the um, what's his name, Simon Baz.
1: Oh, okay.
3: Right? Yeah. Yeah. He, he's a little newer. I don't really know much about him, but I was like, oh, yeah. Yeah, guys, that guy's costume's cool. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Or um, uh, or was it Jessica Cruz? Yeah. Do yeah. she yeah. was Power Ring, and then she became Green Lantern. I'm heavily invested in Jessica Cruz succeeding in the DCU because I have so many comics of her. <laughs> like, <laughs> I bought them on the cheap, and it's, it's been a good investment so far.
3: I think um, she's in the an- some of the animated she stuff is. now. Dude, yeah, right. she, yeah, she so was she,
1: like the Green Lantern for a long time.
3: Yeah. So, she, you know, there, so there we go. We already have a new Green Lantern that's kind of slowly becoming more of a household mm-hmm. name. And uh, I'm most excited for Booster Gold, I think.
2: <sighs> Fuck yeah. yeah.
3: I think that's going to be hilarious. I also feel like booster gold is one of those heroes that like people on, on the internet have always like, Oh, you need to do a booster gold movie or a series. Yeah, yes. It's going to be hilarious. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Just like when yeah. it, it, I think it's going to be just as not impactful, but just as like rewarding as when they brought kite man to Harley Quinn, like, oh right. Like, I mean, cause like, they basically made the best version of that character, obviously drawing inspiration from uh, Tom King's run on Batman. But Booster Gold is such a fun character. It's it's about a dipshit, like, loser in the future who steals a bunch of technology and brings it to the present where he thinks he is, like, uh, he makes people believe that he's, like, the hero of the future. Like, he is Superman.
3: Um, i mean wouldn't you wouldn't
1: you yeah, do it. Do yeah. It. whatever yeah no that's i i'm so excited like I, i'm trying to think of who like who would be a great booster gold and
0: i don't know S- someone through chris evans out there
2: yeah
1: chris evans could probably do it i could see dan stevens doing it oh fuck he my guy yeah
0: Damn, Stevens! said. Um, well, first off, that's Kelly McGovern's guy. That's not nice. mm, Timothy Oliphant's your guy. I was, I was about to say, what right, about your
2: guy. guy? What about he's, your guy?
0: He, he's well,
1: too? He's unfortunately too old for the role. Yeah. I think. At
0: this point. Um, one thing I found interesting too is that they're going to keep continuity between the animated and yeah. live action. So it's like if characters appear in the animated world, mm-hmm.
1: which is super it, easy to do. They literally did it with "What If"? Like, they're obviously James learned so much from being in the Marvel system that he's going to take a lot of that here. And the great thing too, is like, unlike Kevin Feige, this dude is not just a great director and producer. He's a great writer. Like he is actually helping write the future of the DCU, which is great. And you can tell that he loves the characters. He loves these stories. And Two of the ones that I'm super excited about, uh, we kind of mentioned them already, is uh, Superman Legacy, which is drawing inspiration from Grant Morrison's All-Star Superman. That is one of my favorite comics of all time. 12 issues. It is like, if people say Superman's lame, give him that comic and they're like, shut up. He's amazing. Um, and Frank Quietly, who did the, uh, the art, is one of my favorite artists. So very excited about that. And then flip it over to Batman and The Brave and the Bold. First of all, The Brave and the Bold is such a, a great... Um, you know legacy of comics and animation and all that kind of stuff but he's drawing inspiration from grant morrison's run the guy who brought damian wayne um into the dc universe and introduced the concept of batman having a long lost son who was trained by his uh mom uh talia al ghul and is 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 an assassin basically and he has to basically train him to be a normal kid and it's Awesome. Like, that's great. Do more of that. Like, you know, we we were talking about the last of us and we're going to talk about episode three in a minute, but I mentioned, I think on the, the first, you know, the first episode that we did that, like as fans of other mediums, like a comic or a video game, when we want an adaptation, we're not saying we want you to take those two characters that we really like and put them in a new scenario. We want to see an adaptation. So for them to be like, hey, people, these are beloved award-winning comics. Let's use these stories. They're right there. Now, the only downside to that is, are any of the creators getting any of the money for this? Probably not, as you can uh, tell. Yeah. Uh, it depends. I, so one of the things getting adapted is the the Authority by uh,
0: Brian Hitch. He was That's unaware. The word I that's the one I could care. The least he was about.
1: unaware that it was getting adapted. So that's the only thing. That's the only negative is the creators are still getting kind of screwed well, over. And here's Marvel the thing has is, a lot of issues with that too.
0: James Gunn is, it seems like a big comic book guy. Like, obviously, yeah. he is. Like, maybe that changes. Maybe that's just. We'll see. Bad. I mean, listen, Warner Brothers Discovery, I love him for so many reasons, but like, just mostly wrestling reasons. But it's just like communication isn't always. Yeah. they're strong suit. So I I would I believe James. I believe in James Gunn.
1: You believe in James Gunn? you believe in Harvey Depp? Um yeah. <laughs> no, no he's <laughs> no, <a> <laughs>
0: shit. There's one I only trust one lawyer and I married her. So that's it. There you go. But speaking um, of adaptations, Al, we should really get taking classic characters and stories from uh source material. Let's get into episode three of The Last of Us, where we meet two iconic characters from the video game frank and bill so of course we're going to start this out um alicia can you give us a little background video game background on these two characters for those of us who are not in the know and did not look at wikipedia before starting this podcast like they should have that being,
3: yeah it. yeah so of course so uh, yeah, everyone keep in mind well, I also want to say one thing uh, that you mentioned at the top of the podcast. I did not come up with the bread theory, so before anyone no, asked me... No,
0: no, you didn't come up with it, <laughs> but you brought it up on the show, is what I'm saying. I,
3: I do my best to maintain some semblance of internet am- and anonymity that says the girl on a podcast. Um, so please don't at me for that. Um, and to uh, anybody who's inspired to play the games, we're going to... I'm going to spoil a lot of shit, so tune out now. Um, and uh, then two back in in five minutes yeah like give me five minutes maybe an hour I don't know you know how I get um
0: (laughs) are there psychedelics involved who's to say we could be here a while
3: so Bill um Bill's character Nick Offerman's character Bill appears in the first game um I do not think he is mentioned in the second game but he is introduced in the first game and he is this loner anarchist cookbook type dude and he basically introduces like the mechanic of tripwires in the game and it's a really big pain in the ass level uh where he kind of you know in the game it's actually a much bigger town um instead of this like cul-de-sac and he pretty much like tripwires an entire town and he's hauled up in a church and he's just a lonely grumpy man And throughout that section of the game, you read letters about a man named Frank and you discover uh, that is Bill's partner. And they they lean on that word partner a lot. And uh, you eventually discover that um, Frank and Bill had some kind of some kind of toxic transactional relationship. And Frank uh, runs away from Bill and kills himself. Um, It's kind of I believe it's also kind of implied that in frank's attempt to escape he becomes bitten and then that's why he kills himself um somebody correct me if i'm wrong it's been a while since i played it and then at the end of that section it is revealed um in a ironically kind of funny way despite all the the darkness of that section uh that bill is gay because ellie picks up a old playgirl magazine uh in his truck and yeah so canonically bill is gay so for everyone that's all like oh my god my virgin eyes um <laughs> early men that's, kissing. What I, that's
1: what
0: i said
3: hooking hooking mustaches like
0: oh <laughs> <laughs> mustaches, please. i just, just wish they i wish they both had twirly beards i, I really do, yeah would be great
3: kissing kissing kiss caterpillars you know
0: god damn it
2: (laughs) and alicia remind alicia remind me of this i think at at some point in the game there's a note from frank right that you either have a choice to give to bill or not
3: i don't recall the choice aspect i think so because i don't i the game doesn't really lean heavily on dialogue um like dialogue trees, um optional dialogue. So I could very well be wrong in saying that. They also did a remake that I did not play. So that, that's possible. Okay. If is like that's low, what it was. You can find, right? So like this is a story that is that could easily be missed for anybody playing the game who might just want to just rush through it. Um, but I mean they do talk about Frank in the in the partner sense. Um and then of course, you know, once you once a playgirl magazine is is revealed is kind of like there's a lot of heavy implication.
0: So I'm going to blow everyone's mind right now. Nick Offerman was not supposed to play Bill.
3: No, he was not. I won't yeah. it.
0: It was it in the streets. Con-, Con O'Neill, who you will know from Our Flag Means Death, he was Izzy. He was Blackbeard's right hand man. Oh. oh, you talk like this? He's a oh, oh, fuck, yeah. yeah. oh, fuck you Steve. I'll fucking kill you, Steve. About it. That was supposed to be Bill. Oh, now what, we, what know that, we know who that. We know who he is. Would that have would that have made this 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 episode lesser? Had they had gone with Con O'Neill instead of Nick Offerman?
1: No, oh, After- I think it was. I think it was a beautifully written episode. But but we best, we basically get to see a post-apocalyptic Ron Swanson. Yeah, and it's it makes it a million times better. Like Nick Offerman is amazing in everything. Like people real like, I don't know. I feel like people don't realize that because they don't think of him. They think of him as Ron Swanson and like a very comedic actor. But like, like watch devs on oh, FX, yeah. which is a Alex Garland series. That's a, a, a very dark very depressing, but at the same time, he's so good in that. Um, yeah, and I think it was getting to see, like, basically, again, a post-apocalyptic Ron Swanson in the sense it's it's a survivalist who knows his way around meat and knows his way around hunting and um, and and guns and all this kind of stuff. Like, it was so fun to kind of see that and then add on top of that a... Beautifully written story, and where he gets to act the shit out of it, and it was great. He, I, I think, I think um, the other actor from Our Flags Mean Death, who I can't remember his name, Con O'Neill, yeah, Con O'Neill. I think he he would have been great because he is a good actor. But like, I think it just, I definitely think it would have taken away. Like, if you told me, oh, that was supposed to be Ron Swanson, but he could, <laughs> that was supposed to be Nick Offerman, but he he had a scheduling conflict, I would be like, Oh, why'd you tell me that?
0: Yeah. See, I, I look at it like. It's a very different version of Bill, basing it off his performances as Izzy. I think he would have been more uh, brutal, more hardened. It, I, I don't know if we would have had that kind of intimacy and warmth that I kind of Nick Offerman exudes intrinsically. It would, have been
1: better. it would have been better. Sorry to cut you off, but it would have been better the way that Alicia described the character in the game. Would yes. have been better with that guy. Yeah, but since they probably evolved yeah. the role, it's so much better with with Nick
0: Offerman. So, Alicia, what do you think of that of that casting change?
3: Yeah, I mean, a, a great great decision. Um, I haven't watched *Flag Means Death*. Uh, Our flag
1: okay. means Okay, Death. Um, I think you would you, love, it. You, you would would love it. it. you would love it. it. You would love I it. it.
3: I know that Con O'Neill voices a character in *Elden Ring*.
0: Yes, <laughs> <know>. he does. <laughs> <He's cut. laughs> he does. Um, I play *Elden Ring*. I know.
3: Yeah, it's right. <laughs> um. Yeah, I mean I love it. I mean also it's I mean Nick Offerman kind of has also like has embodied that meta of like him being I don't want to say typecasted, but he is Ron Swanson and I think there was probably a very deliberate choice in choosing the guy who played Ron Swanson because Ron Swanson became this kind of like uh like this like icon of like masculinity and sometimes is also included in like very like boomer memes um about yes, masculinity yes, and sometimes yes. toxic masculinity um so i think there was a very like if i had to assume a very kind of meta choice um in him taking the role or at least casting him in the role so
2: i think it, it was it was very it was very apt
0: uh, amanda your thoughts on this too
2: um i really so i agree with al i think the script is just this is a beautifully written episode all the way around that. I think Khan could have done it just fine, but I I don't think he has the nuances that Nick Offerman brings to the role where, yes, he is the Ron Swanson, if you will. Like that's, that's what we all know him as we love him as. Um, and he has that. And that's, and I think those are aspects of Nick Offerman, in his own because I because I think he likes a lot of that himself, right? Like the woodworking yep. and like kind of the so it's I feel like it's an embodiment of him. Neat. Exactly. Although I was waiting for Scotch more Scotch I to show too. up. <laughs> but but I really feel like he brought an extra, you know, that that sensitive dimension that you really see just this beautiful evolution of this character from being so hardened from the game. Um and, j- and kind of jaded into somebody who was, you know, opening up, and you know who really cared about Frank, and who it, so it was. It was. I, I feel like Nick brought that extra feeling that made me go get my tissues and cry. Um, oh, don't
0: worry. We're, yeah, we're, we're we're going we'll to talk have, about that. We're going to have so many crying moments on this podcast. But he was about.
2: he was a smart choice for the way this this part was written. Um, whereas I, you know, I agree with Alicia. I think if it, if it was, you know, if Bill was written the way that the game kind of followed more in line with the game, I think Khan would have been a better choice. Um, a little bit more battle hardened and whatnot and, and intense, but I think, I think this Nick just took it, just took this and ran with it. And I don't, I don't feel like the, again, the way it's written right now that I don't think anybody else could have done a better job, in my opinion.
0: So, most of this, 90% of this episode focuses on the Frank and Bill storyline, and we are kind of taken away from our overarching Joel and Ellie storyline. Really, just quick thoughts on this. Like, sometimes episodes like this, where we go on a side story, really can derail a show. Like, do you think, like, this early on, episode three, we just kind of, like, walk away from all of that, for the bulk of the episode to focus on this love story. Like, was that overall, we liked, spoiler, we all liked the episode, but do you think it works for the series, for the long-term health of the series? You know what I'm trying to say? Al, I'm going to go to you first because I think maybe you get it.
1: Yeah, I get it because I I think the reason it works is it provides you know, obviously the bulk of the episode is this love stories, romance, whatever you want to call it, but at the same time it's providing a lot of answers to questions that we're gonna have like how is um Joel so connected like what what like who is you know the radio all that like it's already it's answering questions um and doing a lot of setup in terms of um of like the the what the future holds right and we learn more about his relationship um well, i forgot the character's name uh, with tess. With tess. tess with tess you learn a little more about that relationship and there's so many things that it kind of sets up and i i think it's a a great way to do it um which is you know take a, a you know characters from the game bring them in bring them into this world in a new light in an updated way and a, and a very creative way and emotional way so i think it, i think it works
0: Alicia, what about you? Do you think that this maybe, while we were always going to come to this? Do you think it was a little too early in the game to deviate from our overarching storyline to go on to this like kind of, you know, you know, implied storyline that was in the video game?
3: Yeah, I mean, so I'll just say this, like I mentioned this in the last podcast is video games aren't less or better than television mm-hmm. or film or comic books they're just it's just a different way of telling a story right and with that said i think if you had made an action packed episode where it's just Joel and Ellie navigating a giant town full of clickers and and tripwires and then meeting Bill and going on a shootout in the church like yeah that would have been that probably would have been fucking sick to see but it also would have been not memorable and boring because the whole show is going to be shooting and Mm -hmm. violence. And I think what makes the last of us, both the game and now the show stand apart from other zombie things like resident evil. I mean, I love resident evil, but it's, it's the emotional storytelling. I also think, and I'm going to spoil a little bit of the second game and this, I, I don't think this is necessarily intentional, on um, the writers or maybe it is but in the second game do you, do you guys care if i spoil it no because if the second season is is going to be accurate to the game it's it's going to spoil a lot but the tune out anyone so
0: i will a spoiler game, alert at the beginning of the episode don't worry
3: thank you so in the second game the, between the first and second game 10 years goes by so now joel is a super old man and ellie is like a young woman she's like twenty, twenty 20 or 19 and she herself is also in a queer relationship. And I think this episode, people are going to look back at it because in the second game, Ellie kind of serves as a really stark and dark contrast. Like I'm not saying she's a bad person, but she certainly does not do a lot of good things. And I think if that occurs in the second season, I think it will give like fans this kind of interesting, oh, well shit, like here's this like beautiful, loving relationship, that started off with a guy who was very in this pit of despair. And then now we're going to see kind of the opposite, right? A young character who is going to find herself in a pit of despair and ultimately kind of destroy her relationship. And I think it'll be an interesting like parallel to look back on as as a show altogether. And that's just me. And like I I said, I I don't think that it was in that's necessarily intentional, um, but I think it'll serve as an as an interesting thing to look back on once the series is done.
0: I, I think you're actually going to get that. I think I, I could be wrong, but I think when they're going to go back to the story where she gets bitten is about her and another girl who are in there. And I think they're going to lean into that relationship because the way she even talks about it, she's like, oh, it was a, a friend and stuff like that. Like she was hiding a relationship. So I think that we're going to get that reveal, I think, this season for sure. Um, yeah. And oh, I think that
3: was in the DLC. Oh, I'm sorry.
0: No, no, no. Oh, no, 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 I was yeah. just going to say, and I agree wholeheartedly with what you're saying about, like, you could have had a real banger of an action episode, but this this episode now defines the series this is that episode it's like it is it is like when we're gonna put a stamp on this episode like what made the last like when do we know the last of us was great it's this episode but Alicia I I also cut you off so I apologize so you had some other stuff
3: yeah what you're referring to is the DLC I mean you know we also I think it's also a kind of a t- maybe not necessarily like an intentional tip of the hat but i mean for a long time in in queer media like a lot of relationships and, and sexuality is just implied like oh they're just roommates they're, they're just partners right like and much like in the game mm. i mean in this second episode there is like a hesitance when tess asks like oh is, is there anybody looking for you like a boyfriend and ellie's like no <laughs> yeah
2: <laughs> <laughs> She's like-
3: no, sure. <laughs> yeah, um, but yeah, yeah. I think I think uh, I think it's good that they changed it. I mean, otherwise, I feel like we would have lost viewers, and um, I I don't think a, like an action-packed episode would have been the hook that this this series kind of needed going forward.
0: Amanda,
2: I almost feel like in anime we have you know the episode you have you have your main story and then you have filler episodes. And then there's mixed canon and filler episodes. And so I feel like this is a filler technically, but it was a filler with a purpose. Um, Because I mean, just like when you play a video game, at some point, the main story, it's going to be starting to get repetitive. So you go on side quests and you have things to kind of break up kind of the the, the fairly straightforward main story and make it a little bit more interesting. Um, And so I... I feel like, yes, I agree. We could have had an action-packed episode and it would have been great. But, you know, the beauty of this episode was that it keeps us from falling into, okay, Joel and Ellie are running from zombies. They're going to get there eventually or something's going to happen. But that's kind of the main, the main crux of it. Um, this, just, this just kept things interesting. It kept things... It, I also feel like it gave a ray of hope for people that maybe needed a break from the show being so even though this episode was still heavy um i think the first two episodes for people who are not used to it especially or even who've played the game you know the game is very is very bleak i mean that's that's partially not only the scare factor but that's also why i stopped playing for a bit because it was too heavy um too too personal and so um i just i feel like that in this world where everything is so bleak, there was this little tiny ray of sunshine, (laughs) you know, these two people, yes, they had their challenges, They had the relationship issues they had, you know, obviously the Raiders came, all this, all this kind of stuff happened, but there was still, they still were able to live in this crazy post-apocalyptic world. And so it gives a little bit of a, okay, like, yes, amongst this death and despair, there is still a little ray of hope so you keep watching and so i think that that's going to keep people from from leaving because maybe it's it's too heavy and now it's okay well there's a, a little bit of a bright spot here there's some there's some bright stories here so i can i can handle it mentally <laughs>
0: Let's get into the relationship between Bill, of course, played by Nick Offerman and Frank, who we haven't mentioned the actor's name, Murray Bartlett. And you might be like, I've seen that mustachioed man before. Well, you watched the first season of White Lotus. He was there. He was also in the HBO series Looking, which was on for a few seasons as well. Uh, So he's an HBO vet. So what is it about this relationship that just is so magical? Because this 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 whole episode, like we say it's yes, there are some explosions of violence. There's there's stuff here, but this whole thing is a love story. Like this could be like and we've seen romances in like The Walking Dead and like other shows, like you know, I don't know, particularly compelling. What is it about this particular romance that just is so magical that people are just cannot stop talking about it? So Amanda, I, I always end with you. So I'm going to start with you first. Like, what is it about the, and you could talk about the performance, the writing, whatever you want to talk about. Just like, what is it that makes this romance so magical for, for everyone?
2: For me, I was hooked because it just was so real. It was a real connection. Like here's this, this extrovert that adopted the introvert. And I mean, for me, it was such a, a, a personal connection because I, I am the extrovert. I'm the situation. I'm the extrovert who adopted my introverted boyfriend. And so it's like, you can, you can relate to, you can relate to that. Cause you either know somebody who a couple that is in that same scenario, or you are that couple. Um, so I think it's just, it's a, it's a real, it's a real story where it's not like, you know, f- happy fluff and, you know, or it's, it's not like here we're in this land of unicorns and it's a, it's a, you know, kind of, you, you know, kind of like this, you know, snow white beauty and the beast type of fantasy you know, romance, I mean, it has, it has some of those sweet elements to it, but it's a real, it's like a genuine connection. And I, I, I feel like, again, you know, somebody who's, who's in that that type of relationship or you're in that type of relationship maybe. And it's just, that's, that's what I love. It's just a genuine human connection and just the sweet, you know, there's, those are things that you're like, man, that's, that's really sweet. You know, <laughs> he went to go f- fix up the stores because he wanted to fix up this, like the boutique and the wine shop and the furniture shop and it, the straw. There's just it was it was just such a genuine, loving connection. And I think that's why people are 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 into it. It's just it's real, it feels man,
0: real, man. Like they never hurt for booze ever. It's like a two person town with a full yeah. stock liquor store. For food, <laughs> well, matter. I mean, no, I mean, well, food will go bad. I mean, liquor will hold a lot longer. Um, But Al, who knew? Uh, the story of a, a wandering m- a man in a sweater and a uh, a crazy doomsday prepper um, mm-hmm. would make uh, we're, we're just like melt everyone's hearts. What is it about this that just makes this work?
1: I think time. I think time makes this work. We get a, such a good amount of time. It's basically like a short film amount of time because I think this one was over an hour if I was correct. It was Uh, about an
0: hour 20. Yeah.
1: So I feel like we get about 20 minutes of, uh, Pedro Pascal and, uh, Bella Ramsey. And then we get an hour, basically a, a full, almost a movie length time with, um, with these characters. And not only that, but we get to see them through time. We get to see, because we know that this, um, this ch- series um you know Joel Joel's story starts in 2003 so we get to see what happened um the aftermath of you know the infection spreading or however you want to call it um from from a different perspective and then we get to see their relationship uh through the years so it starts with them you know it starts with uh, Nick Offerman, it, I'm, I always get me confused. Nick Offerman is is Bill. Bill, Bill thank you. It's so me. Bill, Bill. So I just i I need a pet name for both of them together. Uh, but Bill, we get to see um, him take over the town. Brank. What? Brank. I don't know.
2: Brank. <laughs>
0: Brank. Oh.
1: Thank you for interrupting my train of thought on Brank. Um, like yeah, Krang,
0: to, it's like krang's evil brother right
1: we get to see them uh we get to see their relationship blossom through the years for a very good amount of time where it doesn't feel rushed or forced like if this was to happen on the walking dead it would take place over six episodes you know what i mean this wouldn't be like it would be you know two characters would hook up and then you would see them hiding their relationship and all like I'd, like they did it 12 times on the walking dead, but like, this is a true love story in the sense that you get to see them meet fall in love, um, beats together through thick and thin for a good amount of time. Like they actually get time, which, you know, and out of everything else, we see that he doesn't die from, uh, a fucking war that comes to their, uh, you know, their residence. Yeah. He doesn't die from getting infected. He dies in a shitty way and they, and you know, and they die together, which is, you know, beautiful spoiler alert, this whole episode, but that's why this works so well. Not because they die, but because we get time with them and we get to see them through their relationship blossom and end through the 20 years or whatever. Like that's why it works so well. And that's why people it's resonating with people so much because I mean, it's basically a full movie with them, a full, you know, a full hour with them. That's it's a lot of time to tell a story.
0: Alicia, your thoughts. Well, these two dads just make us just make us have captivated us out of this. Thing.
2: Well, I mean,
3: they're just so handsome
0: you know they Just are he's handsome
3: when he when oh my god that oh god I forgot his name already I'm so sorry white. yes when he comes out of the the, the pit I was like this is, a, this is the 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 handsomest dirtiest man I've ever seen right?
2: <laughs> talk about a stroke that's of luck wild. right there
3: <laughs> his teeth are too white for the apocalypse I don't believe that
0: <laughs> that's true he, that's
3: true he's he's he snagged his invisalign <laughs> before the bombs came down that's <laughs> 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 Oh, um uh, I, I
0: love the fact you're on this with us every week oh, <laughs>
3: God. I, I i think what really especially works and 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 not to keep bringing it up but they do talk yeah, about it in in the the companion podcast is um there was intention in casting older two older gentlemen right. um and then to see a relationship blossom in middle age and then into old age it's very different i mean i don't think um we see a lot of one. We don't really see a lot of old people romance. Sorry, I don't mean to say that. We really don't.
0: Um No, we don't. No,
2: that's just true. I mean,
3: it's you, so like they, people poke fun of it.
0: And it's yeah. more like, you know, they, yeah, it's like 80 for Brady, even though it's not a romance. Like I know Alicia mentioned, she's going to go see it, but I mean, it's just like, it's just like, look at them. They're old. They don't, they're not treated like, you know, humans. They're just yeah. like old farts. And,
3: and And oftentimes like if you're, an, like a, a fictional old person relationship. You're like 80, and it's like I have life figured out, and I love my wife, and I'm the guy from Up. <laughs> oh, don't
0: get me started on that movie. <laughs> don't cry. But it
3: it it's really refreshing to see like you know two two very oh, there's dogs again uh, two very different personalities on two different gentlemen, and they're coming together under the worst circumstances, and they don't have good days. Like they have bad days, just like any relationship. And, you know, they're both uh, just trying to make it work. And I think what's also really great, like why they change it from the games is, like I mentioned before, like the game implies there was something kind of very transactional about their relationship. Like, yes, they were lovers, but there's some kind of toxicity or, or, or exchange that may have been implied in the games. And here it's, you know, it's a choice. They stay together as a choice. They love each other. Um, and I think that to, to choose to stay together in a relationship in the apocalypse is, is like a fucking crazy thing to do. Like, like, you know, Bill says like he, he was happy that everyone died in the world Yeah, and he didn't want to be around people. He didn't want to be around people before shit hit the fan. So it's, it's, um, It's great to see that, but it's especially great to see that in a character that's older and probably set in their ways. And, you know, it's possible to change.
0: They actually debunk the whole transactional thing in the beginning when they're in bed together. He's like, I just want you to know that I'm not a whore. Like, I'm not doing this for food. I only do this because, like, if if I really want to. And that's where he's like, I'm going to stay a few days. So that, like, they kind of debunked that in the beginning. And what I love about this, like, I also thought it was like a mini movie. To me, this is like a stage play. These are two actors, just like, and here's this relationship. And I feel like what really sells it is it's really Nick Offerman in the beginning and how afraid he is. And he talks about that fear uh, later in the episode where he's like, I was never afraid until I met you, which is like, Fucking kill me that line. I'm just like, oh god, why? Uh, but you know, I think like how he was so scared because he was so attracted to to Frank and he felt something that and he had never done that before, and it's something he had always hidden away and it hidden so much of himself away. And I think the fact that we see that and it's not some sort of big, sweeping, cinematic uh moment, it's a uh, Like we, I mentioned in, and I think we all mentioned in the first episode, first the last week's episode, was like the humanity of it, like the Texas scene where it just feels like real. This feels like this is real people. This is real shit that's happening. These are real people, and this is how like real situations like this can occur. Especially since if you're going by the actors, age Nick Offerman's fifty one, you know, so it's like he's coming out at fifty one, you know, and that's that's wild, you know, and so you're seeing that. And you're seeing them both grow with each other, because in real life, if there had been no, you know, mushroom men killing everyone, a, a crazy doomsday prepper and, you know, the man with the whitest teeth alive for Baltimore, they would have never met. They probably would never have even been attracted to each other. They probably wouldn't have even talked, but they ended up together and just the reality of it and the sweetness and the sincerity of it. And you knew. When he was like, I want this to be my last good day, there was no way, because we knew Nick Offerman, there was no way Bill was not going to go out to, there was no way. And I think that's that's why, because it just feels like, God, these are two people you could know. And it just feels like there's an authenticity and honesty to that performance, both performances, I should say. But now let's get into some of our uh, little mini segments we have here uh the first uh the first one is called the tess on fire award uh because um that was a pretty heartbreaking moment and so that's what this award is for what is the most heartbreaking moment in this episode which is a episode full of heartbreak al i'm gonna start with you
1: uh off from it on the couch crying oh fuck yeah,
0: that was that's that was some serious grandpa tears. That like, that that ruined me.
1: Oh god. Uh, yeah. No, that was rough. So,
0: yeah. Oh, yeah. That, that that's like I, like I saw that scene. That's like that's how my one how my dad used to dress and two how he used to cry. So I was like, oh, thanks, guys. I needed that. Um, Alicia, what what uh, what scene broke your heart the most?
3: I mean, aside from you know, the implication, well, not the implication, the very much direct, uh, I don't know, like soldiers killing a baby. Uh, that's was, I feel like that, that oh. whole scene kind of got a little bit like, we yeah. just kind of brushed over that. I was like, oh, fuck. Um, oh. Yeah. But uh, I think the, aside from that, the most heartbreaking scene is uh, just like kind of the sheer, like kind of happiness and satisfaction that Frank has. Like when he says like, when he's planning his whole day and he's like, you're going to wear what I tell you to wear And it's like, that's the cutest and sweetest thing. And it's, it's like, he's celebrating his birthday and it just really makes you feel like, damn, these guys, like all things considered, they kind of won. They won the apocalypse. That's how, that's what you do.
0: Al, you were going to jump in there for a sec.
1: I was going to jump in and just say, as someone who didn't watch the game or didn't play the game, because you could watch clips of it online. I really went into this show totally blind. They did two misdirects for me in the show. One, I thought we were going to see what happened to that woman and child who were murdered by the government <laughs> because it, 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 it cut to them. That was the way it, it transitioned. Yeah, I, I,
0: I'm very glad they decided not to do that.
1: I know. And they did that on purpose because they were like, oh, you're about to see something horrible. Nope. Love story. And then when Offerman, so I think it's three years into the apocalypse that he is that he meets Frank four four, four years ago yeah. that he meets Frank and when he's in the hole I'm like oh my god don't no don't do that you're gonna he's he's gonna kill you he's gonna he's gonna they're they're gonna take advantage of you whatever I'm like I was so scared for Nick Offerman in that moment and then like again it was a complete fake fake out for me because it just became what we got to see which was incredible
0: Amanda
2: oh man um. Uh, Nick Offerman crying on the couch was oof. That was that broke me. But I think even Frank's speech before then just I you know we've had I've had some bad days with you. I've had some some good days and some. Bad, I mean just that whole thing just just messed me up. But I feel like the letter got to me too. I thought that was really you know when you find something that's worth protecting like this is our role like his Bill's words to Joel. That just it just hit home after knowing and have after having watched everything that happened between Bill and Frank, that whole letter, everything into perspective. Uh,
0: it's tough. I, I think yeah. the, the whole dinner, the the strawberry scene got me a little bit because I'm just like, oh man, yeah, someone's gonna die. Uh but I think it was the dinner that he prepared. Cause it was the first dinner that he ever made for him. Uh, and as soon as he started pouring the wine, I'm like, motherfucker, he totally, no, there's, he's already had the pills and they are going to die together. And he's just like, there was pills already in the wine. He's like enough to kill a horse. And it was like, it's so sweet that he's like, no, my life is, you know, my life, you were my purpose in life. It wasn't, doomsday prepping and surviving he was finding the love of his life and growing as a person and then he was like you know what i there's no after there's no post you it's just we're together and they go they open the window so it won't smell and it's like just don't open the door and you get that kind of also that shot at the end where i I, al this is another (laughs) misdirect i thought they were gonna pull back and you're gonna see their fucking corpses there but uh i was like i I like the fact that you just You just saw the window and it was like that whole end is just like it's such a beautiful like it broke me because it was so beautiful. It really did. Um, Well, let's get into something a little more positive. Let's go into something I call the Golden Clicker Award. Yes, we've bronzed like a fucking mushroom zombie and we're going to hand it out to the person we believe uh, gave the best performance of the of the episode. And this, this is a tough one um so alicia who gives your best who gave the best performance in this episode Oof. you got a lot of um, daddies to choose from
3: a lot of daddies and like they're all they're all in it all three of them are in it it's all a triple free. threat yeah and anna torb and you know what? she's she's a daddy too daddy's yes, a sir. state of mind my airpod fella. oh no <laughs> <laughs> you
0: can still hear, you're fine <laughs>
3: that's my that's my apocalypse item i grabbed for the AirPods and <laughs> my glasses. One thing you
0: can lose. <laughs> the two things you can lose AirPods and glasses, of course. Holy
3: shit. There's no Apple store in the apocalypse. I can't get these replaced. Um,
0: uh, apparently there's a Home Depot though.
3: Oh dude, honestly, can I just I, I I'm sorry. I know I'm no I'm digressing.
0: Just, no, this is this whole podcast is a digression.
3: Obviously, this, this episode is heartbreaking and they do an excellent job on contrasting like the idea that like no man's an island, but you also can't trust people because they might fucking kill you and um yeah. you know just being vulnerable but damn i would be so satisfied if the entire episode was just bill like <laughs> doing his thing like like post-apocalyptic HGTV. i had such a good time i also learned like a lot like yes. do you know why he taps on the generator with his no. little hammer so apparently like if generators sit for a long time they can corrode so like yeah, tapping okay. on it like Gets rid of like rust or corrosion, and I'm like, wow, that's such Nick Offerman's teaching how to be handy without even being Ron Swanson. It's amazing. Or that show Uh, he was in
0: with the uh, Making It, which is one of my favorite shows. It's the nicest show ever. um It's so I loved the little like when there's the little sparklers going off at one point, (laughs) and he just turned into fucking concussion bombs, and everyone's on fire. I'm just like, you beautiful bastard. That's wonderful.
3: I also just want to say. My one complaint about this episode, the one thing I found incredibly unrealistic was, and it's kind of the same thing with Tess dropping the hand grenades. I don't know why she just didn't use one of those, but those bandits, those raiders, like they just kept, they really felt like NPC, video game NPCs. Oh, yeah. They just kept walking into the, just leave. Just go around. Just <laughs> get a car. Drive through yeah. it. Like, one guy I feel like <laughs> just... Walked into it for no he reason,
0: he 100% walked
3: into
0: it. Um, <laughs> um, so who gets the golden clicker award for you?
3: Not that guy, that's all that. Uh. <laughs> what, a, what a
0: dick, <laughs> yeah.
3: Oh, uh, but, um, I would say, uh, and oh my god, I'm I'm see, I'm geriatric. Uh, the gentleman that plays Frank again, what's his name?
0: It's, White uh, Lotus, <laughs> oh god, no, I'm, I'm totally gonna biff his name too. Are we all infected? <laughs> I, I definitely am. Uh, Murray Bartlett. <laughs>
3: Yes. Um, yeah. I mean, just absolutely refreshing. And just to like, I don't know, be able to read, read a script and like, hey, this is clearly like something post-apocalyptic and like not turn this character into like another equally grumpy old man. Like he like, yes, yeah, yeah, he has his bad days and he acts him out perfectly, but he's just like, the sweetest guy and it's in like in genuine and sincere and like 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 my favorite part also was when they have the garden that the the lunch in the yard and mm-hmm. he's just so excited to see other people and he's like oh Tess, come inside you're my like new anna torb you're my new best friend come on let me, yeah. let me show you things <laughs> um yeah yeah that guy
0: murray bartlett yeah, i'm just saying it so teeth. i can i can remember that uh al who gets the golden clicker for me
1: um the guy on fire at the end the mtc uh, on fire what it is pretty great i mean yeah i i it's hard to just give it to one of them well you're gonna I mean, have to we can only give out
0: to. one i we have a limited budget here oh
1: damn i mean i guess you have to give it to offerman i i mean he he i mean his character those two characters but his performance in this will get an Emmy Nom but for dumb. best for best guest, like guest star, uh Emmy. And this will go down as one of the greatest episodes of television ever. It it currently, last time I checked, yeah. has a nine point nine on IMDb. I have I have seen that maybe three times.
0: Was it like the One Breaking Bad episode? Ozymandias? Yeah right
1: yeah it might be it might be that and maybe was it a watchman episode there was another one that i remember oh, seeing wow, like oh Jesus. wow that's crazy um oh something like, yeah, yeah, yeah. like ted lasso or something but like again it's i'd never see them it's super rare it is um yeah it, it it's got to be offerman that performance is, is going to be is going to be heralded for for years to come
0: amanda who gets the clicker
2: Oh, it's so tough. It's so tough between the two. I mean, between Bartlett and Offerman, I, oof, cause I, I really feel like Bartlett helped Offerman step up his performance. I, I really do, but uh, I'm going to go with Al because I mean, Nick Offerman, I think he, he came from, again, all of us loving him as Ron Swanson and bringing some of that, but seeing him get emotional and, opening up and just how he elevated the character of bill. he just, it's the, I think the best performance of his career. And I just, man, he's going to, if he doesn't get nominated for something, <laughs> I mean, he broke my heart and I, I love him. I love Nick Offerman. I love his comedy. I love, you know, I love them, him and Megan Mulholland on social media. I love them. Uh, yeah. They're just, they're just awesome. If y'all are listening to this podcast, you guys call double date we're down. Um, <laughs> but I mean, just, I mean, just, he brought just again, just elevated the role. And it's something I haven't seen him really do before. So I just, it goes, it goes to him.
0: That's really tough, but I'm going to go with Offerman too, just because I feel like Murray Bartlett, we're going to see excellent performance. Sometimes I tell when I talk about awards and stuff like that, like, some people you know you're going to see similar performances or excellent performances like this. I feel like Murray Bartlett is going to have a long career doing stuff like this. Like playing a character like this, being very charming, being very sincere, being excellent. Nick Offerman will will have a wonderful career as well, but I don't know if he'll ever hit the the heights that this character went dramatically, but also still had a comedic side to it, but also was unhinged but was also really sweet. It was such a multi multi-layered performance that I don't know if we're ever going to get that from Nick Offerman again. I hope we do. I hope I'm wrong, but he made this episode and he also was the guy who in the trailer everyone's like, "Oh shit, it's Nick Offerman." And he's the one who got a lot of eyes on this episode and he paid off big. But I think Murray Bartlett, I think I think Hollywood also needs to open their eyes to him to be like, "Oh, he should be in so much more because he is so good at what he does. Um, Let's get into a a quick tin. It's kind of early in the season, but does anyone have any tinfoil? It's tinfoil hat time. Let's get out the old Reynolds wrap. Let's wrap it around our heads. Any theories, predictions that we want to throw out there? I mean, Alicia, you know what's going to happen because you've played the game. But anything you think we could see coming up or you have a prediction or any type of theory
3: well it, you know once again i don't like it's it's pretty accurate to the game so far like obviously this this episode is a huge divergence but also it wasn't right mm-hmm. because it, bill doesn't come back bill isn't like a do sex machina like, like he doesn't come punching through walls to save joel or ellie at some point he has a section in the game and then and that's it so regardless of whether he lives or dies like He's just kind of this one part and one small part in a really larger game. But I think, and not to go back to those, what that horrible militia does to those people, but I think that also was a very critical scene because I think it's also going to establish um, how broken this world is and disconnected. And it made a, they delve into it a little bit more in the second game. Um, like, sorry, I keep going back to that. That's fine. But, you're gonna see like how the country has turned into these like paramilitary groups, like the Fireflies, uh, FEDRA, you'll be introduced to something called the WLF and then there's like motorcycle gangs that eventually form their own militia called the Radlers. And I think um, they're kind of also establishing like, these people do like really horrible things, but they're also doing really horrible things for the sake of survival. And obviously whether you agree with that or not, I, I mean, they're setting up this kind of world. And I think we're gonna see a lot more of that and these like factions that that are gonna build this like broken kind of uh, crossroad, um, uh, cross country uh, world that they're going through. Uh,
0: the only thing I'll add to that is the scene, one of the great comic scenes, comedic scenes between <laughs> Uh Frank and Bill and he's just like, You're you think that the 9-11's an inside job and the government's a full of Nazis. He's like, they are Nazis. He's like, well, back not, na- yeah, they are now. <laughs> so yeah, so it's so it's a wonderful line. And but it's a very important line because like we see that Fedra is like a multi, you know, it's a pharmaceutical company that's essentially like running the world, the country. So I think like and also I think we're also gonna run into something um that Frank said before, like the Baltimore QZ was completely annihilated. So that I feel like that's some foreshadowing of things to come. And I'm always excited when Melanie Linsky shows up and stuff I watch. So I'm very yeah. excited to see what happens with her.
3: If I could just add another thing, that the whole Baltimore QZ. I'm sorry. I keep talking about the games. I'm sorry, guys. This is why, literally, um,
0: why you're on this podcast. Besides the fact we love you, you're so. banned from the podcast. For oh, providing I'm, I'm more <laughs> information. I know if you're too. giving exactly. content Oh my god, you're giving us uh, context, to context. Ah, Ew. Ah, <laughs> What a dick! You're giving us context, <laughs>
3: they do. They do get into it in the games as well, like. um how like yeah fedra is this organization but they're also like incredibly disconnected too like they talk about how they like boston was it or seattle sorry seattle falls and if you do some exploring in the game they they talk about like how hard it was for Ooh. fedra to keep people alive because ultimately fedra was a federal agency a disaster relief agency that was trying their best to keep people alive um and obviously they made terrible decisions in the name of doing that but and if you, you find a letter on a dead soldier, say, like, kind of calling out the the opposing faction, that's kind of like the Fireflies. And they're like, well, let's see how you guys do it. Like, let's, let's, why don't you try to keep all these fucking uh, bellies full and, like, people safe and see how well you do. So I think, yeah, we're going to see a lot of, like, moral, a lot a lot of moral gray going forward.
0: Amanda, do you have any, any tinfoil? Do you want to share with us?
2: I just feel like, you know, kind of based on again the, the little I know from the game, kind of the way that everything is being set up. Because at first I felt like, okay, they're setting up the fireflies maybe to be a little bit more of a sympathetic, maybe. But then I'm like, no. I, I just I feel like Joel and Ellie are going to truly be on their own, no matter where they go, what they do, even if they get to the fireflies. Like, there's just there's no safe place. I feel like unless they're completely remotely on their own away from these opposing factions, I, I, you know,
0: you always kind of,
2: yeah, you you almost kind of feel like maybe there's one that you can sympathize with and there's really not. So I I feel like truly they are the last of us as (laughs) they're the normal people who are, who are just trying to get by.
0: So, (laughs) So, um, Al, uh, what's your the delivery guy is Mephisto style of uh tinfoil conspiracy?
1: Ugh. Um it's gonna get sadder. <laughs> Guys, I, I truly don't know anything about these games. Um I I'm not it's I don't have enough information to tinfoil had it.
0: Okay. Yeah, it is we, early in the season, so
1: it's very early in the season, but in the sense that like everything is just talk right now and not a lot of seeing and we're getting more world building right now. So like, I think, you know, by maybe the next episode, we should have more of like, where, where is this going? Right. Um, so do they say how long, how how much of this we get or is it up in the air in terms of how, how long the series is?
0: Well, uh, was renewed for a second season. Yeah. I know that it's nine episodes this season. Um, yeah so i don't know if they have a i felt like they were just going to do two seasons but i could be wrong
3: well it, they confirmed that the first season like all the first like the, the first game will just be the first oh. season so i Whoa. i don't believe they're gonna it's, split this up. like oh season two is going to be a continuation i do actually i do have a tinfoil hat theory not so much about the show but how the show will be written i mm-hmm. think based on how the story is told in the second game Yes, I think you can do it in one season, but I think it would do better if it was split into two seasons because you do play right. um, from the perspective of two opposing characters.
1: That's right. So, um, techni- so technically yeah. you could do four seasons of this show.
3: If I would say it, three. Yeah, I would so, give it three.
1: So the second game you could do in one season?
3: Two. I would say two seasons, my opinion. So
1: three seasons. Yes. Three seasons. Total. Okay. I'm cool with that. All
0: like right. Al know time. when to end. Know when to end. Yeah. The British know how to do it. Uh speaking of ending, Al, it's your segment. It's Al's wacky waving inflatable rating system. Um uh, because I just thought of that that scene from the wacky waving inflatable guys from Family Guy. And yes. just because it's just a random concoction that you come up with every episode on a scale of one to ten, what is your scale for us to rate this episode on?
1: Um one one to ten one to ten hold on hold on i gotta get the wording right it's it's, it's too stupid um all right one to ten conveniently mounted tree guns
0: that was that's a, such a that's a great moment It's was like stupid um Alicia, rate this episode on a scale of one to ten. On uh, one to ten, conveniently mounted tree guns.
3: Uh, I give it nine point five. Conveniently mounted tree guns. It loses half a point for the the NPCs that attacked because <laughs> the <laughs> they were really
2: bad.
1: <laughs> that's oh, super accurate. Yeah,
0: <laughs> yeah I mean, true, well, it
2: the... felt like a video game, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs>
0: um. If I'm going to rate this, um, this is a 10. This is a 10. Give me a whole forest of these guns because this was a magnificent. I've had so much of this. So I watched this about, finished watching this about two hours before the podcast. So much of this was ruined for me. So much of this on social media was ruined for me. But it was still one of the great episodes of TV I've ever seen in my life. And I think that speaks to if even if like the surprises are ruined and it's still that great and it can make me weep like a baby uh-huh. trying not to while my sick daughter is next to me. And I'm like moving my computer over so she doesn't see guys on fire. Um, it's um, it's definitely a, t- a 10 for me. Uh, Amanda, how many uh, oh. conveniently placed tree guns do you got for this one?
2: Oh man, it's a 10 out of 10 for me. I mean, this episode had me everywhere from oh my gosh, is he gonna make it to crying to these really sweet moments as just it was so well done. You went on a journey and it I I really loved how they it tie, it did ultimately tie back to yeah. the main to the main story. They did it beautifully and they did it, it was sad, but still it all, it all came together and it made sense for Joel and Ellie to, to get to that point. Um, and I, I really feel like this is the moment where you're going to see a little bit more of a character shift for Joel too, where you're going to see him maybe not be quite as hostile to Ellie. I think you're going to see him because of the, the note and because of the, the context and everything behind it. Um, I think you're going to see a little bit of a change in Joel because of this. So 10 out
1: of 10. Al, close us out. Yeah. It's, I I don't think I can go higher than a 10 out of 10. It is a perfect episode. I mean, this lick will go down as one of the greatest episodes of genre television of all time. This will end up on all the lists. It's incredible. And um, it's not a bottle episode. So people online are saying that it's a bottle episode. You're dumb. You're not smart. It's not a bottle episode. Look up what a bottle episode is. I'm going to have to. I always forget. Um. And I think, too, like in terms of like, you know, we get w- what I said before, like 20 minutes of Joel and um, Ellie That's Ellie, and um, and it's their bookend. You, you get the, you know, the Frank and Bill story in the middle. It delivers this amazing, emotional, uh, you know, perfect episode while with those bookends still servicing the main plot of the story. And that letter at the end is, you know, that's his hero's journey. That's his quest. That's, that's, you know, Bill is telling him, you know, he's using tests in that instance. But he's saying that about Ellie. He's saying that this is the person you have to protect. That's what makes life worth living. And this is your, now this is your reason to live, your goal. You know, Find your brother or whatever. But, like, this is what you need to do for the rest of your life. And, I mean, you don't get that. Without seeing and 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 getting to know and falling in love with Bill. so it's a perfect episode. It's a ten out of ten conveniently mounted tree guns
0: Well, we must bid adieu to our favorite mustachio daddies, uh, because this is the end of the episode. but before we go, guys, let's give a quick Uh, pop culture recommendation and plug your social media i'll kick it off because i'm usually the longest and last so i'll go first this time my recommendation to you all uh it's two part one go watch uh peacock's poker face uh starring natasha (laughs) leone it is so good uh, written and directed a couple of episodes were directed by ryan johnson who did the last jedi which is a great movie um and also and, course, and glass onion and of course glass onion <laughs> and knives out and a bunch of other great stuff so right. go watch that natasha yeah brick's great uh right. natasha leone is amazing she plays a, a former uh you know a card hustler who's working in a casino but she also happens to be essentially a human lie detector slash colombo and every week is a new case of the week it is absolutely phenomenal go check it out it's one of the few things i think on peacock you should you should check out uh the other thing is it's an older thing that i am watching for the bill versus the mcu podcast as jessica jones season one uh, who, boy. I mean, I have a couple problems with some of the fight scenes looking like they're straight out of the CW, but there is so much good. Kristen Ritter is amazing, Mike Coulter, and of course, David by God Tenant. Uh, absolutely amazing. That'll be on Bill versus the MCU coming up later this month. If you must follow me on social media, I'm at bodkinwrites. Follow thepopbreak.com every single day. We have so much awesome content coming up right now. Uh, on Instagram and Twitter, at thepopbreak uh alicia where can people find you on social media and what's your pop culture recommendation for this week oh
3: man i mean well, like this is nothing new but uh, you can never get uh, enough abbott elementary if you ever if anybody needs a wholesome palate cleanser from this dark deep despair that is this series it's abbott, abbott elementary i love it the kids some of those kids are funnier than the, than the adult actors i love that show um or if you want to go into a deeper, darker despair, um, uh, I highly recommend uh, watching Skinner Brink on Shutter. Oof. I saw it in theaters. It's probably not everyone's cup of tea. I'm just going to say it. But if you're into analog horror and just really terrible, terrible things to look at and keep you up at night, uh, go ahead and watch it. And um, you can find me at a B on Twitter. Um, that's W-E-I-N-B-Y. So yeah and I'm going to be tweeting probably about my my new adopted dad's uh,
0: as you should Amanda, tell us about where people can find you and your most likely your anime pop culture recommendation <laughs> for this week. Is it the one very, piece live action adaptation that probably has you very oh man. scared? <laughs> I,
2: I am very scared. I am very scared, especially with how Cowboy Bebop went. And people trashed that. I was cool. like, Oh, I liked Cowboy Bebop. Yeah,
0: it was I your did. first podcast with us. It was,
2: episodes. it was, I liked the live, live adaptation, but yeah, one piece I'm a little bit more worried about, but, um, uh, I'm Adam Mandalorian on Instagram, and you're right. I am going an anime <laughs> recommendation, definitely a palate cleanser as well. Um, I am watching buddy daddies uh, on uh, but Country not, but
0: not much of a podcast uh, difference. It's about daddies.
2: It, it really is. It's about daddies. Uh, but it's about these two would be uh, for hire assassins that they take on a job and happen to rescue a kid that they are stuck, that they are stuck with. They, they eventually they find her mom, but her mom doesn't want her oh. or anything. Yeah. It's that part is sad, but it, it works out for the best because the, obviously these two guys they they care about her. She's a four-year-old girl. And just, there's a, the humor is so relatable, especially as a parent. There's so many th- like it's real, like, Oh yeah, I've been there. Oh yeah. I've been there too. And the guys are so likable in this. So, um, the episodes are nice and short. I think we're only on episode four right now, but I'm, I'm loving it. I've laughed. I've cried. Um, so it's, it's really well done and the dubs not too bad either. So,
0: um, that's my, my pop culture recommendation. Al, where can people find you? And what's your pop culture recommendation?
1: You can find me at Al Manorino on Instagram and Twitter. Mm -hmm. Um, my recommendation. So I finally finished Atlanta. So good uh uh the all four seasons are available on hulu as part of uh, fx on hulu uh check out atlanta if you have not watched it it's like um what if donald glover made a modern day twin peaks sort of um it does not it on paper it did not look like that it was going to be that and the first season is um you know it was basically him making a show about the atlanta rap scene but it quickly becomes something way more and something incredible um, last two, the uh, three seasons were just fantastic. So yeah, check out Atlanta. If you haven't already. It uh, it's been out for a long time, but just finished pretty recently.
0: All right, guys, that concludes our episode for this week. Check back next week for episode one forty five, where we're talking about the last of us, episode four titled Please Hold My Hand.